Are you longing for real life change and lasting impact? Here at More To Be, we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, and I am passionate about helping you think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. And today I have a really special guest with us. She is a friend, a fellow writer, and a sister who just opens the word as she opens the door to her home. And I'm excited to introduce Jen Schmidt. Welcome, Jen. Thanks for being here. I am so glad and so honored to be here. So yes. fun. I wish we were doing it at my kitchen table, but this is the second best thing. This is the second best thing. So for, <laughs> for those of you who don't know Jen, I'm going to share with you a little bit about her and then have her put it into her own words. So Jen has been encouraging, challenging, and cheering on women to embrace both the beauty and bedlam of their everyday lives on her popular lifestyle blog, Balancing Beauty and Bedlam. You all need to go check it out. It's wonderful. <laughs> With a variety of topics from easy dinner ideas and personal finance to leaving a legacy, Jen equips others to live life to its fullest, reminding them it's the little things that are really the big things in life. A popular speaker, worship leader, and founder of the annual Becoming Conference, Jen shares with humor and authenticity as she invites others to join her on this bumpy, beautiful life journey. She lives in North Carolina with her husband, five children, a few too many animals, and an available sofa for anyone who needs it. And this is the real stuff about Jen. This is what <laughs> I love about her is she models in the the virtual distance life that we get to do together through our mastermind group, the example of opening the door. Jen, I've heard you talk about your, your son and his football team and yep. hospitality with them. I've heard you talk about the wedding. I've heard you talk about your farm. So would you go ahead and just kind of paint the picture of your life for our listeners? <laughs> Well, when you read that bio, it, it sounds so much more polished than it is because I think we need to focus on the fact that for 10 years, I've written about balancing beauty and bedlam and bedlam, like the chaos of everyday life. Cause I think so much of our day in and day out, we are having to look for those beautiful moments under the laundry and under the meals and under the work. Um, and so in the process of journeying that, it has been just a, a gift to be able to kind of link arms with women and encourage them on the way. Mm -hmm. And so right now, um, one of the ways that I get to do that is by sharing my love of kind of generational open door living with others through my new book, Just Open the Door, How One Invitation Can Change a Generation. That is neat. So you're, that's what you're working on. And when you have been writing this book, I know the backstory part, you were also yeah. balancing how many people were in your home at various times over the last six months. Oh, I know. Okay. We don't even want to go there because it was probably hundreds. And our joke about that was the kids would say, mom, um, one of the thing is, is for our children that I love is they've grown up in our home. They know that they don't really have to ask if there is someone in need or needs a place to stay. They have the freedom to extend that invitation and know that there's always a thrift store sofa available for anyone who needs it. But the joke started being is they knew that I was under this deadline. I was incredibly stressed. I was in way over my head and they would be like, mom, pursue hospitality. And I would be like, no, I cannot have any more people in our house because I am writing a Bible study in a book on hospitality. You know? <laughs> 
<laughs> became kind of the big, the big joke, but, yeah. um, Yes, we, uh, our eldest son got married right around the deadline. And so it was incredibly challenging, but life-giving because I realized that that is kind of scripture rolled out. Jesus always modeled, um, he was never inconvenienced, right? He never had too much on his plate to stop and welcome an interruption. Mm -hmm. And he created margin even when he probably didn't have it to give, he made sure that was a priority. And I think one of the things for me is I, our, my parents, they lovingly modeled open door living for us. So as I grew up, um, that door was open all the time. It might've been a missionary who needed a place to stay. We had drug addicts in recovery who were welcomed into our home. We had, you know, foreign exchange students and a whole variety. So growing up, I kind of thought that that was normal. I didn't realize how much that was outside the norm. And so they really modeled this generational legacy of welcome and not hospitality as we think of it today. Mm -hmm. I think as women, especially in this Pinterest perfect world, um, we've allowed the notion of social entertaining, you know, long leisurely meals with beautiful tablescapes and forced course dinners and high expectations to hijack, really. That's what they've done. You know, it's hijacked the heart of biblical hospitality, mm. which is extending the gift of invitation. It is extending welcome. It's pursuing like Jesus pursued and pointing others to him. And so in our home, that's what my desire has been is to open the door, um, you know, bring people into my mess. Now, sometimes it's beautiful. I'm not saying that, you know, yeah. some, sometimes I get the fresh flowers and put them in the vase and, and I bake some wonderful homemade goodies. But a lot of times it looks like red solo cups and paper plates and mm -hmm. people at the last minute needing a place to belong. And so we extend a spontaneous invitation. Yeah. Um, it's not this one and done event, right? If we're yeah. going to create a culture, if we're going to create a culture of a legacy of welcome, it needs to be the ins and outs of your every day. Right, right. I, you know, I love that because you continually remind me of the just do as opposed to get it ready to become, right? Like. Exactly. To yeah. move into it. And that's been a lesson for me over the years. You know, we lived at that boarding school for 18 years. And wow. I did not know yeah, it was that long. 18 years. And so I grew up in a home where I just have one sibling. We had relocated from Illinois to New York when I was in fifth grade. I could probably count on my two hands the number of times we had people over and it was for events. I mean, right, I, I know right. I had friends over to just hang out by the pool, but like, it wasn't, it wasn't an open door. It was a, right. it has to be prepared to be exactly. an open door. So exactly. then Stephen and I end up living in a boy's dorm without kids. Talk about people <laughs> like in your, in your face. Always. Yeah. And I, oh, the growing pains of oh, sharing communal yeah. living. But when we were there, Stephen and the other dorm head came up with this idea called Hega Feast because the name of the dorm was Hegeman. Okay. And we had all these boys from around the world, ninth grade through 12th grade. And most of them had never experienced a Thanksgiving meal. 
like yeah. a family style yeah. Thanksgiving oh, meal. Yes, absolutely. So we set up card tables in the lounge and the dorm heads all took turns. Uh, we, we cooked four turkeys and four different ovens and made stuff in dishes and, and just created a feast. And yeah. it was called Hega Feast. And 20 years later, 22 years later, that tradition is still continuing at, I love that. Yes. And so the neatest thing for me that, that, that the reason this comes back to me is not long ago, I spoke at a youth retreat for that school and I said, are there any Hageman boys here? And they said, yes. And I said, do you all, you know, do y'all still do Hega Feast? And they're like, Rrr. and I, and I said, that is so awesome. I know. I said, we started Hega Feast and it was like, wow. You know? Yeah. Oh my goodness. So it breaks all of the rules, right? Absolutely. It here they're boys that we're being hospitable mm-hmm. to. Yeah. A tradition can start somewhere with one person's decision. Absolutely. Yeah. That they don't remember the tablescape. No. But mm-hmm. they remember the community. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things too when we're talking, especially like about trying to cast this vision of shifting the mindset of hospitality from entertaining to the hospitality of God, kind of the theology behind hospitality. And so I want people to embrace the fact that this, a lot of times when we look at Jesus's hospitality, it was one-on-one, life-on-life, you know, Mm -hmm. relationships. It wasn't a big, huge event. I mean, sure, okay, he fed the 5,000. That was pretty impressive. But a lot of times it was was life-on-life. So when I want to encourage women to just start stepping out in obedience because, you know, shaky hands, nervous, the fear of getting judged, you know, all the reasons my house isn't big enough, you know, I don't know how to cook, all those those things I understand because it's a vulnerable place, right? Inviting anybody into our home. It's, it's inviting people to our mess, our stories. It's, it's a vulnerable thing. But when you step out in obedience, I, I find like that is where the Lord, I mean, it's not just even about the people you're inviting. You impacted those, those boys, but I bet when you think how much the Lord taught you and grew. I mean, the more people I have in my house, I'm growing and learning so much about my relationship, you know, with him. And so that whole concept of legacy, like your legacy starts today. I have a lot of women who, who, well, I didn't grow up with a mom who's hospitable. I don't know what it looks like. I didn't have your parents who, who modeled it. And the beauty is, is that you start your new generational tree, you know, today. And that's what my parents did. My mom came from an alcoholic background. Neither of my parents, um, grew up in Christian homes. They named Jesus as Lord when I was four. And so they broke that generational Mm. bondage, you know, that cycle, and they started something new for me. And so I love to be able to encourage women that, you can just start, just open yes. the door, yeah. you know, don't overthink this. Don't overanalyze it because we do. Yes. It, it's just kind of the female thing. We overthink it. We overstress, we overplan. And then before we ever extend that invitation, we are so overwhelmed, right? Yeah. We don't, we don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. we overthink it. <laughs> because, and I, I so. definitely agree because, you know, somebody's thinking, well, I can't have a big feast with boys. Right. Well, the thing is, we didn't overthink it. We just fed the boys we were doing life with. Exactly. But I mean, whatever, hot dogs, whatever, you know, (laughs) that inspired. So it was a couple of years later, we were in a different house. We're no longer with the boys and we were craving community. We wanted a small group, but we had had the twins 
and I was nursing them. And I, ironically, out of convenience, I said, well, why don't we just host it at our house so that I could go yeah. off and nurse while everybody's here? And it was the smallest house we've lived in of all the houses. We've lived in nine houses. Of all the places we lived in, it was the smallest home with the least amount of bells and whistles. And yeah. we that actually was what broke me in the best mm-hmm. of ways in terms of my fear of hospitality. Because when you do something again and again and again... Yeah, it's muscle you, memory. You, it's muscle yeah. memory. So, so in the early uh, times of our gatherings... The floor would be vacuumed and the, the bookshelves would be dusted and we the table would have a candle on it with some food out for a small group. But I, I can almost remember that there reached a point where I was like, I just can't. The best I can do is show up here. Absolutely. And guess what? They showed up and nobody yeah. said anything. No, they didn't even notice. I mean, really, because like you said, we're craving community. And in this day day and age where we're more connected online, we're more connected with Facebook, women especially are lonelier than ever because we're trying to, you know, replace in real life connection with this online stuff and it doesn't cut it. So we are aching for community Mm -hmm. and yet nobody's willing to say, I'll be the, I'm going first. I'll go first and open my door and what will come of it. And that's one of the things, like you said, there is a muscle memory. It's kind of like public speaking, right? The first time anybody speaks in public or maybe the first 20 times someone speaks in public, I mean, they feel like they're going to throw up, right? They're so nervous. But the more you do it, there comes a muscle memory and it, believe it or not, it's the same with welcoming people Mm. in. You start realizing that the first time you are worried about so many things that aren't important and it gets easier. And finally, like you realized, oh my goodness, they just, they just want to be invited. Don't we all want to be invited? Right. We might not be able to come. I mean, sometimes scheduling doesn't work out, but you think, wow, that person thought enough of me to invite me. Right. You know, right. And it, it, that process combined with uh, the next house that we lived in. Well, no, no, it was two houses after that. We were actually literally right on the back end of campus. So, we had people that would come up to our back door if they needed something from us. And the they, ultimate drop-in, I call it. The ultimate <laughs> drop-in. It Literally, our back door was the front door to the campus. So we got so used to people coming and going and that we had a little family kind of policy of we need common space standard. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah. so we realized if people are going to constantly come and go, then the laundry baskets are not, may not be folded, but they're in this corner. So people could come in the door, (laughs) you know, like, like there was this kind of little bit of thing, but it's that muscle memory. So that the hospitality idea of you've got the event, you've got the simple planned gathering, and then you've got the aspect of just showing up and being prepared to receive that person and push the pile aside on the couch and say, come sit down. And that's really hard to do. I mean, it doesn't matter. I've been opening my door like this for decades. Right. And there still comes that time because it's pride. Like let's go to the root of it. The bottom is like, what are people going to think of me? Mm. I'm, I'm a messy housekeeper. I don't have my stuff in order or whatever. And so for me, um, there is the, the discipline of, okay, I, 
I shouldn't have clutter everywhere all the time, right? There's those small disciplines in life. But for the most part, um, my house, I'm not type A. I'm like type Z, right? <laughs> I wish I could take my type A friends who everything's in order and blend a little of their blood with me. Um, but I think that I've just kind of had to strip it and say, who, who, why am I opening my door? Mm. Who am I trying to impress? Is it to really point others to him? Then you need to get out of your own way, Jen, (laughs) you know? And, um, that's been a really, that's been a really, um, stripping of my pride process as I've gone through that over the years. Right. And so from a, from a scriptural perspective, I know we're going to dive into first Thessalonians chapter two. What are some of the, um, just broad stroke biblical principles that have motivated you to see hospitality as a spiritual discipline as opposed to a Pinterest pursuit? Okay, well, that is a very good question because as I have talked to hundreds, probably thousands of women about this concept of biblical hospitality, even now when I'm posting about it, um, when we were picking the title, I said, my one caveat, I don't want the word hospitality anywhere in the title because it conjures up an automatic preconceived notion about what someone thinks hospitality is. Mm -hmm. And then we go back to the scripture and, you know, Romans 12 says, pursue hospitality. And it's not a gift. I always have women say, well, I don't have the gift of hospitality in that aspect I understand that they are allowing that notion of entertaining to, sh- they don't understand biblical hospitality because unfortunately, when we look for the language gurus, the, you know, grammar gurus pursue, it is in process. It's an active verb and it's a command in the scripture. Ooh. So when we go to the biblical heart, I hate to, I feel like I'm being a mom and saying it's a command. Whoa, whoa. You know, but, but it is. And so what does that look like? Like let's flesh out what pursuing hospitality looks like. Mm. And that's where I want women to realize this is about pursuing a one-on-one life on life relationship. If that's where you're at in your season of life, for some, it may mean pursuing 10 women in their house for an a fun evening together. For some moms, it may mean taking their hospitality on the go. Because when we look at Jesus, um, he was essentially homeless. And yet he was the ultimate hospitality guru because everywhere he went, he walked this road of welcome and he gathered people along the way, you know, come eat with me, come sup with me, come follow me. Right. Mm. And so he took his hospitality wherever he went. So I think it's easy for us. It's our quick Christian answer to say, well, I don't have the gift of hospitality. And so then they completely discount it. But when we really dive into scripture, beginning in the very beginning in Genesis, the theology of hospitality starts in Genesis. It weaves its way throughout scripture. It ends because in Genesis, what God in his hospitable nature, he welcomes us into the garden as his first act of hospitality, right? It is woven throughout. And then it ends where at revelation, where we are gathered at the marriage feast. So Mm -hmm. I think when people try and discount hospitality, it's because they haven't dug in to what the scripture says. And their shift, there's going to be a shift in their heart, just like it was in mine. When I 
you know, along with the book, I also have the Lifeway Bible study coming out. And I thought I had written a whole book on hospitality. And yet I had a mini revival in my own heart mm. as I just dug super deep into how much it impacts us and our everyday walk with the Lord. So that yeah. is awesome. All right. So we are going to pick up at First Thessalonians chapter 2. And go ahead and grab your Bible. I'm going to pick up with reading at verse 1 in chapter 2 and read through uh, verse 8 here. So you yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. You know how badly we've been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly, in spite of great opposition. So you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives, for we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as well as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you. But instead, we were like children among you. Or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Wow. This is such a great passage on a gazillion levels. It is. Because no, a lot of people, I don't think, think of it in terms of hospitality. <laughs> well, and it's interesting how when you, when you put a word above a passage, you see that word of God in a different way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, I've got most of this passage is already highlighted for me because it is core to the mission of what we do at More to Be and what we're doing on this podcast uh, this this determination to share his good news boldly, to not have any impure motives when we're sharing the good news, to speak as messengers mm -hmm. approved by God, entrusted with the good news. All of this is stuff that we we believe in and we stand behind it more to be. Right. But when you begin thinking of it in the context of hospitality right. and opening that door and inviting people in. You had mentioned in our last part, you know, that our purpose is to please God, not people. Exactly. There it is in yep. verse three. Exactly. Not to win, you know, not to look for flattery, not to seek human praise. It says it in verse six. So tell me, tell me your thoughts about this. Well, I mean, and it talks about, you know, the courage. A lot of times we're nervous, right? He will give us courage. It, it highlights the motives. And a lot of times um, our social entertaining, it, what is a motive? It, it's a little bit selfish. It's wanting to impress people rather than just focusing on blessing them. And I want to be careful, though, with this because God is a God of order and creativity. And some of my dearest friends, they're the way that they bless women is by creating beauty. So for mm. those women who that is life-giving for them and I enter their home and they have beautiful tablescapes and there are times when I do a tea party and I bring out my crystal glass and you know it is beautiful because that will bless them and it all comes back to motive. You can have the exact same atmosphere as far as ambiance. You can have the same food. You can have the same decor and yet the attitude and heart motive of those offering 
right? is very different. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that biblical hospitality versus the entertaining comes back to, you know, first, um, biblical hospitality, the goal of creating sacred space for somebody, welcoming them in, pointing them to the glory of God, you know, creating that space where they feel loved and welcome and that you're serving them, right? So somebody Mm -hmm. with the hospitality and, or the, the heart and the posture of hospitality is, is bending low and serving and not Mm. trying to steal, you know, the attention for themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. sometimes I've even gotten, I mean, we all do it and, and I still do it. So now I catch myself, but sometimes if my house is a mess or things aren't right, when people come in, I greet them. And the first thing out of my mouth, you've all probably heard it is, oh, I'm so sorry. This is so messy and this and this and this. And I've had to stop myself from apologizing because what does that do in this subtle way? It's bringing it back and it's making it about us. And I know that's kind of really, but think about it. It's bringing all attention back to us because then what are you putting your guest in the posture of doing? Oh no, it's fine. We love it. You know? So even something really subtle like that, I just, um, before people come in, I just really pray about my heart motive and, um, you know, what my desire is to do. So in that passage in first Thessalonians two, eight, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you, not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And I think one of the easiest ways to show love is to invite others into community with us and practice hospitality and to shower them. And if we are so moved by the power of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our own lives, don't we want to extend that to someone else? I mean, I think about my Mm -hmm. girlfriends, like what makes me excited, right? If we have a great sale or I find, you know, I'm a big thrifter. So if I find some great, you know, thrift store bargain, or when people come to my house and they see something that I might've bought at a yard sale and I paint it, I will go on and on and on and on and tell them all about it with this passion and this excitement. And, and maybe I can encourage them or help them save money on their budget, but we don't translate it that into our love of sharing, you know, our love of the Lord. Um, there's, there's something that then well, we don't want to be too pushy or we don't. And so I have found that the avenue opening our door is a vehicle to just shower God's love on people. And that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean when they walk through your door that you're like saying the four spiritual laws (laughs) right? (laughs) when they walk in. Right. But they're Mm -hmm. going to, I want my love for them. And the fact that I'm creating this space for them to be themselves, I want them to wonder what's different about me. I want it to be a tangible, direct representation of what the Lord is doing in my life that that can't help but flow. And does, do I always get it right? Absolutely not. Does it always, am I always an image bearer of the Lord? Absolutely not. But then I pray that when I mess up and when I make those mistakes and when we're doing life around the table, that I have the heart of just saying, Hey, I messed up, forgive me, or, you know, whatever that means, um, in that specific situation. I think that's beautiful. And I think you, when you were talking, I was thinking about a couple different things that I've had to kind of wrestle through the idea of hospitality with. So at the the church I attend, the women's Bible study, we break up and we go into different rooms. And I don't know how the tradition started, but there is a tradition that the leaders of each Bible study group are supposed to create a tablescape for the table in their room. Huh. 
and it changes seasonally. Well, a throwback to the boarding school was there was a season when we were first at the boarding school that uh, the faculty women did that for the tables in the dining hall. And so I was going to Marshall's every week to buy new decor. Pressure. I was in my 20s. You know, we were still kind of apartment dwelling, hand-me-down furniture, living. And and I would buy and buy and buy. And Stephen said to me at one point, he's like, you are not going to have the same amount of decor in nine months of marriage that Debbie had in 20 years of marriage. Absolutely. Like, you you can't do that. And so... It was very freeing back then to accept the season and stage of life that I was in when I got that perspective check. Mm -hmm. So you fast forward back to the life I'm in right now. And my my co-leader is not a decor gal. I am. I do like decor a lot. But I'm also working full time. And if it's the choice between being in the word that morning and and having my brain settled before I go or getting there 15 minutes earlier so I can set up the table right, decor. Right. It's been such a point of struggle for me because I find myself even at this age walking past the other rooms and feeling like a failure mm-hmm. because I don't have the time or the financial resources to create the beauty mm-hmm. that they've created and we even pitched it to the girls in our group. I said, does anybody want to do this? I was like just going to say, maybe that's an idea. Yeah. I did. I said, does anybody want to do this? And they all were like, no, and we don't need it. Yeah. See, that's freedom right there. <laughs> right. And yet, even with that freedom, I think that natural comparison. Poof, yeah. Well, I mean, it. you know, that's the thing. Let's look at it. Satan is no fool, right? Since the beginning in the garden with Eve, what did he attack right away? He went after her worth. He went after her trying to not measure up. So he's no dummy. Why change the strategy now? Because it's working <laughs> pretty well, right? Yeah. And so yeah. It's a continual reminder, especially, like I said, it's this vulnerable spot of comparison. And I think that's the hardest thing for women is to, it's this feeling of judgment. And, um, that is my desire is that we can break free from that and realize that, um, some of the craziest moments, and I detail some pretty crazy stories in my book that helped other people, like things out of my control, the most Mm -hmm. seemingly ordinary, chaotic, gatherings at our home where like you, I wanted, I wanted, I am creative. I am artsy. You know, I am one of those that loves to take trash to treasure, but it's all very frugal, very simple things, but I still love to create some bit of beauty. And there were times where things were out of my control and I hosted anyhow. And in that moment I had, and I write it, it's a long story, so I won't go all into it, but one of the gentlemen who actually was a golf pro that was helping the golf team. And it was a, a party for the public school golf team. And at the end of the event, and this was red solo cups. This was pizza boxes all over. This was craziness outside kids playing, you know, moms balancing plates. I mean, nothing special, nothing extraordinary. And he came up to me and he said, Jen, I've never experienced anything like this before. And I, mm. I, like my first reaction was, 
what do you mean? Did it, are people fighting? <laughs> like are the boys like wrestling? You know what? I thought maybe he was pointing out something bad, and I just kind of stood there. And he continued. And he just said, "The feeling of love that I get when I walk in your home, I've just never experienced anything like that." And when he left, my husband and I, we kind of just had one of these moments that said, "You know what?" what we thought was so ordinary, what we thought was nothing special, the, our love for Jesus radiated through the choices that our kids were making and welcoming and what was happening in our home that I didn't even know. And we said, isn't that so like Jesus, right? He didn't pursue the A team and the prom king and queen court. He went after the B team. He went after the, the secondary, you know, and I thought Mm -hmm. he, took me where I was most inadequate, where I felt way in over my head. I was way too busy to be having people over. And it marked in me something so, because nothing about Jesus is ordinary. And that's what I have to realize. Right. You know, Nothing about right. him is ordinary. So when we're extending, when we're being the hands and feet of Jesus, it doesn't matter what we're doing. Tablescape, no tablescape. It's different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that verse. Okay. So Verse eight, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives. That's that's the banner exactly. over that story you just described where you, you physically shared time, mm-hmm. thus your life. Mm-hmm. But then part of what is intrinsic in your life is the good news. And that is Jesus Christ. Exactly. Yep. And that's what I, I mean, I keep trying to remember. I mean, that is our... That's our motive for living our life of welcome. I mean, that is mm-hmm. our motive to love God and to love others like the greatest commandment talks about. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. And I grew up in the church. I've been a believer for 40 years. And I think I've colored that sheet so many times that we lose the depth and the fullness and richness of what that agape love really means. And so how are we doing, you know, ask ourselves practical questions. How are we really doing with loving our neighbors? Let's start with yeah. our literal neighbor. Do we even know the people on our street, right? Do right. we know any personal details? Because statistically saying, and this isn't this isn't any shaming because I was really convicted of this as I wrote one of the chapters about neighboring well. And I had to ask myself, okay, I, I need to do better. You know, if we are, mm. we're the greatest commandment, loving him, loving others, loving our neighbors. And I don't even know any details about my neighbors. It starts with something as simple now, like the summer's getting warm. And maybe we see someone that we were embarrassed to connect with because we've lived across the street from them for two years. And we're embarrassed that we haven't extended it. And just humbling ourselves and saying, you know what? This weekend's going to be and say, hey, I've got some extra burgers. Why don't you come on over and we'll do a backyard cookout? Or maybe yeah, it starts with, yeah. you know, inviting the cul-de-sac and telling the kids to run around and say, you know, maybe your house isn't in a place where you want to actually open the door and come in. Well, then you can open the door and come out to your cul-de-sac and do a spontaneous rip your float party. Because I have found sometimes Ooh. spontaneous hospitality I love because it kind of lowers the expectation of everybody. Yeah. Uh, a spontaneous thing. You don't have the time to overanalyze it. Um, you know, maybe it's about putting a little extra chili in the crock pot or, you know, there are really simple, easy ways that we can take that first baby step. Um, cause yeah. that's what I think. I think about there's no grand blueprint 
for hospitality. Like you said, we're all in different yeah. life stages. So as long as we just take the motive of living this life of welcome, of loving others, there's yeah. no right or wrong. It's going to look completely different for everybody based on where you live, what you're doing, what your life stage is. But, but there's also, you know, let's stop our excuses and just pursue hospitality in simple yeah. everyday gift of invitation. Just one I kind of laugh and I say like plus one. We're not trying to find a date for the you know next wedding, ah, but just good. add in, make room for one more. So whether that's making room for one new conversation with a coworker that you don't know, you know what's your plus one this week? Maybe it's one act of kindness. Maybe it's yeah making some taking some store bought banana bread to someone that you overheard um, in the office that is struggling and just writing yeah. a little note. Or maybe it's making, uh, pulling up another table for, I don't know when this is airing, but you know, maybe it's for Easter. There's one yeah. more person that you can invite to your table, you know? So I think plus one, just what can I do, Lord? Give me eyes to see what my plus one is today, you know? Yeah. I think that's beautiful. Uh, just yesterday I delivered a meal to a gal in our Bible study group that, you know, the meal train went around and we had to sign up for it. And I never, ever sign up for this. And I don't either. I'll just ever. be honest. I am, I yeah. am horrible about taking meals to people. Okay. I'm terrible, <laughs> terrible at it. I'd rather have them over me. and have the meal with me. Yes. <laughs> yes, totally. And, and so for me, it was a step of faith. Mm -hmm. It was trusting that God would provide the financial resources and the time mm -hmm to get her the meal. Yeah. And I, as the, as the time was approaching, I was like, okay, in my perfect little world, I would be a really great cook, but in my perfect world, I lived at a boarding school for 18 years and I'm just learning how to cook just for my family. Yeah. Like that's overwhelming enough. So what could I do if I was her? That's that thinking of your neighbor thing. If I was her, what would bless me? And I thought, well, that's easy. Somebody's showing up with something. I don't care where it's exactly. made or how it's made. And I thought, all right, I'm going to do for her what I did for me last week when I was totally overwhelmed. I bought a Stouffer's frozen lasagna and a bag of Caesar salad. There you go. And I showed up. I didn't pretend like it wasn't Stouffer's. No. It was in the box, <laughs> in the grocery shopping bag. It. it was in the Bed Bath & Beyond little tote bag for the Caesar salad. It wasn't pretty, but it was a provision. Absolutely. And I thought, wow, that's a big step for you, Lise, to be able to let go of appearances and just be like, here, this is the best I have for you. And, uh, you know, if you're supposed to treat others like you would treat yourself, it's also the best I have for me right now. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so there was grace in that. And, and I've been just thinking about the last 24 hours of how... Jesus talks about being the bread of life to Absolutely. us and that nourishment manna has really settled on me that God's provisions for manna in the old Testament coming to the people that it was, it was the bread of heaven that rained down so that they would know it was not of their own doing. Absolutely. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that, the bread of heaven that has mm -hmm. come down mm -hmm. to nourish us that, that if bread is a, a symbol of God's provision. When we physically provide food for other people, I do think that there is a metaphoric embodiment. Of oh, the good absolutely. News. 
Absolutely. It is this heart posture of being willing. If we wait until everything is perfect, we're never going to step out. No, because yeah. life is not perfect. Like Jesus is here in the middle of the mess and in the middle of our yeah. messy lives with our messy closets. And he didn't stop and make sure that we polished ourselves off and made sure before we went out and reached other people. Mm-hmm. He said, yeah. follow me, drop what you're doing now, follow me and let's start. You know, he yeah. didn't wait yeah. until they got their acts together. And so, yeah. you know, I think we need to, and, and that's more and more as I dove into this whole theology of hospitality, I realized that it's just, Lord, I want to do something. I don't know what I'm busy, you know, whether it's with little kids, but I can welcome people into my heart and my life and my story. Mm-hmm. And so just start there and show me what yeah. that looked like. Cause it's going to be different yeah. for everybody, you know? And look at that. We're like at the end of our time here. So I am so glad that you were with us today, Jen, and helping us kind of unpack the, how do we literally open the door of our own lives Mm -hmm. and allow the good news to speak forth by our actions? I think it's beautiful. So remind everybody again where they could find you. Okay, yes, you can find me on my blog, balancingbeautyandbedlam.com, where I share just heart, authentic, life-on-life tips and money-saving ideas and recipes and mothering concepts. And then, and the book is releasing now, Just Open the Door, How One Invitation Can Change a Generation. You can find that on my blog or at justopenthedoor.com. That is awesome. And I'm going to offer us a challenge uh, in response to what we heard Jen say. I think uh, the number one challenge is go read this chapter of scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and turn it into the prayer of your heart, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be confession for having impure motives or seeking flattery or um, struggling with wanting human praise and then Turn it into thanksgiving that God will um, give you what you need to be that messenger of the good news when you allow Jesus to dwell fully in your heart and and ask him to open your eyes to see how he wants you to open the door. That would be my challenge question. Would you be willing to pray for us today to sure. close this out? Sure, absolutely. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for just this special time that we've had unpacking. And my prayer, Lord, is that we, as we dive into the theology of hospitality and how you pursue and how you welcome and how you invite us um, into your very presence, that we in turn would feel so compelled and so desirous of pointing others to you that we couldn't, we could not help but fling wide the doors, Lord, wherever that may be. And it may be a car, maybe our house, maybe at the coffee shop, Lord. But I just ask that you would allow us to be intentional in our everyday walk as we walk this road of welcome, Lord. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for being here. Thanks, Jen, for being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the More To Be podcast. We're praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and his word during your time with us today. Be sure to visit moretobe.com slash podcast for show notes and downloadable resources. 
May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.